to all of our Live Fearless Inc. family. It's Yolanda, president and founder of Live Fearless Inc. Welcome to another episode of Live Fearless Inc. Chronicles. My co-host is not with us today, so it'll just be me. Um, But she will be back for the next episode. Yay! But today, what I am going to discuss is domestic violence and all of its forms. Some people think that domestic violence is just physical violence, but with that comes other forms of abuse, and we want to share and explain what those are. In addition, I will be sharing some facts or statistics around domestic abuse, and this will be jaw-dropping for some. However, it is necessary that we share the information for knowledge that will drive greater advocacy against domestic violence. So, this is information you're going to want to know and you're also going to want to share. I'm going to share some statistics around domestic violence. And this is relative to adults overall. And then later on, I'll share some that are related to children, teens, and college students. So the reason why we do what we do is because of these statistics. One in three women and one in four men in the United States have experienced some form of physical violence by an intimate partner. Next, on a typical day, domestic violence hotlines receive approximately 21,000 calls on average of close to 15 calls every minute. Now that was pre COVID-19. So as we've shared on our previous episodes, the domestic violence rates are on the rise since abusers are quarantined with their victims or rather victims are quarantined with their abusers. Intimate partner violence accounts for 15% of all violent crimes. On average, 24 people per minute are victims of rape, physical violence, or stalking by an intimate partner in the United States. Intimate partner violence, which is also used interchangeably with domestic violence, alone affects more than 12 million people each year. Next, nearly half of all women and men in the United States have experienced psychological aggression by an intimate partner in their lifetime. And one, not saying that the rest of them are not daunting, but this really rings home to me, that females ages 18 through 34 generally experience the highest rates of intimate partner violence. And why that rings for me is when you look at that age group, it's young to early mid-adulthood. And if something is not done, prior to a young lady entering or a young man entering into a domestic violence relationship because that's what they see as relationship and love, they may linger in those relationships for a really long time. And I am an example. I was in my first, my, the first domestic violence relationship at the age of 19. And I went in and out of relationships for almost to the age of 36. So I spent my young adult and mid-adult years 
Well, I, I'm going to say I'm mid-adult now, but I spent my young adult years in domestic violence relationships. And I am determined to help someone else not experience what I went through as a young lady. Now I want to share some statistics around domestic violence and the relationship to children, teens, and college students. So let me start off with first, about one in five women and nearly one in seven men who ever experience rape, physical violence, and or stalking by an intimate partner first experience some form of partner violence between the young ages of 11 and 17. 22% of the intimate partner violence cases filed in state courts were witnessed by a child. Between 30 and 60% of perpetrators of intimate partner violence also abuse children in the household. Next, one in 10 high school students have experienced physical violence from a dating partner. Nearly one in 10 teens in relationships report to having a partner tamper with their social networking accounts. And for college students, 43% of dating college women report experiencing violent and abusive dating behaviors, which include physical, sexual, tech, verbal, or controlling abuse. 38% of college students overall say they don't know how to get help for themselves if they are a victim in a dating abusive relationship. And 84% or about 84% of victims are psychologically abused by their partners, half are physically abused, and one-third experience sexual coercion, and that's of college students. So when we think of domestic violence, we usually think of it as adults, but we have to remember that the behavior starts early. So our children, our teenagers, um, our young adults that are in college are susceptible to being victims of domestic violence. So we need to be mindful of what's going on around us and not assume that domestic violence is not happening because it starts early. And if we don't allow voices to share their story and their experience, they can go through life being abused for many years to come. We'll be right back. Let's define domestic violence. Domestic violence or intimate partner violence, they're used interchangeably, is the willful intimidation, physical assault, battery, sexual assault, and or other abusive behavior as part of a systematic pattern of power and control perpetrated by one intimate partner against another. It includes physical violence, sexual violence, threats, and emotional psychological abuse. 
The frequency and the severity of domestic violence varies dramatically. And basically what that means is there is no specific pattern. You can be with an abuser for two months and there not be a physical violent episode and then something might trigger and then there'll be an episode. Or there could be episodes of violence every day. Um, so there is no pattern for a victim. That's why a victim is often on edge because they don't know what to expect. So that's violence and domestic violence overall. And why it matters is because Domestic violence is prevalent in every community and it affects all people regardless of their age, the socioeconomic status, their sexual orientation, gender, race, religion, or nationality. So any myths that we have around domestic violence only um, impacting certain communities, certain races, certain classes, please remove that from your mind because it is not so. Physical violence is often accompanied by emotionally abusive and controlling behavior as part of a much larger systematic pattern of dominance and control. Domestic violence can result in physical injury, psychological trauma, and even death. So the devastating consequences of domestic violence can cross generations and last a lifetime. And that is the reason why we find it so important as an organization to make sure or do our very best to communicate and share what domestic violence is so people have a better understanding. So not only can we make changes and be advocates against domestic violence today, but also for the generations to come. If you further want to understand how an abuser uses power and control to manipulate and intimidate a victim, there's a really great resource that you can find on Google, but we also have it in our website. Most of the domestic violence um, websites have it on their site, but it's called the Power and Control Wheel. If you Google it, there are different versions of it. Some of the categories are named or phrased differently, but they it really is a tool that gives examples, like a visual, to help give examples of how an abuser manipulates and intimidates the victims. So basically, it's a circle, and it's sliced in like a pie, and it has different pieces of the pie. And here's just some examples of what it will, what it has on it. So the one that I'm reviewing now, um, <clears throat> it says um, using intimidation. That's a way of use, of utilizing power and control, making her afraid by using looks, actions, gestures, smashing things, destroying his property, abusing pets, and displaying weapons. Another one is using children, making her feel guilty about the children, using the children to relay messages between the two of them, using visitation to harass her or him, threatening to take the children away. And I'm using him and her interchangeably because I just need to continue to drive home that domestic violence does not only happen to women, it happens to men as well. Um using male privilege, treating her like a servant, making all the big decisions, acting like the master of the castle, being the one to define men and women's role. 
using isolation is another example of one. Controlling what she does, who he sees and talks to, what she reads, where he goes, limiting her outside involvement, and using jealousy to justify actions. So these are just a few of the examples that are on the wheel. But again, we'll have it on our site at www.livefearlessinc.com. But again, you can Google it. And this is really um, to help you better understand, again, like I said, how an abuser uses manipulation and intimidation to control the victims. And if you're a visual person like me, this will really help put things in order um, or in place for you for better understanding. So check it out on our website. So what is psychological abuse? Psychological abuse involves trauma to the victim caused by verbal abuse, acts, threats of acts, or coercive tactics. The predator uses psychological abuse to control, terrorize their victim. It frequently occurs prior to or concurrently with physical or sexual abuse. And a few examples of psychological abuse, which I might have referred to some of them when I was talking about the wheel, is humiliating the victim, withholding information, deliberately doing something to make the victim feel diminished or embarrassed, isolating the victim from friends and or family, stalking, demeaning the victim in public or in private and convincing the victim that she or he is crazy. Now, why is psychological abuse or talking about it important? Because psychological abuse increases the trauma of physical and sexual abuse. And a number of studies have demonstrated that psychological abuse independently causes long-term damage to a victim's mental health. Victims of psychological abuse often experience depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, suicidal ideation, low self-esteem, and difficulty trusting others. So this is why it's important because psychological abuse does not um, only cause short-term effects, but it really impacts a victim's mental health. So let's talk about economic abuse because a lot of victims are some people wonder why victims don't leave and this has a huge factor or plays a huge role in some of the in some victims reasons why they stay so when we talk about economic or financial abuse it's when an abuser takes control of or limits access to shared or individual assets or limits the current or future earning potential of the victim as a strategy of power and control In economic abuse, the abuser separates the victim from their own resources, rights, and choices, isolating the victim financially and creating a forced dependency for the victim and the other family members. So that would be children and any other family members that might be dependent on the victim for support. Some ways that this, well, some forms that it takes are employment-related abuse, when the partner prevents a victim from earning their own money. Examples include preventing the victim from attending a job, demanding that the victim quits his or her job, and preventing the victim from, for, from looking for jobs, 
uh, or attending interviews, harassing the victim at work. Coerced debt is when an abuser forces a non-consensual credit-related transactions. Examples of that is like applying for credit cards, obtaining loans and opening up accounts in the victim's name without their knowledge and or consent, forcing the victim to obtain loans, uses threats or physical force to convince the victim to make credit-related transactions, refinancing a home or mortgage or car loan without the victim's knowledge. In other examples, of <clears throat> abuser preventing a victim from accessing existing funds would be deciding when or how the victim can access or use cash, bank accounts, and cards, demanding that the lease or mortgage or assets be in the abuser's name, and also using the victim's checkbook, ATM card, or credit card without the victim's knowledge. Now you want to say, why is that important or why does it matter? Because victims of domestic violence may be unable to leave an abuser or an abusive partner and may, or may be forced to return to that abusive partner because of economic reasons, because they don't have the resources to survive. Victims of coerced debt may face massive barriers to economic self-sufficiency including struggling to find a job or even obtaining a place to live after leaving an abuser due to debt and other detrimental effects on their personal credit scores. So often people may say, why do they stay or why do they go back? This is one of those reasons. Between 94 and 99% of domestic violence survivors have also experienced economic abuse. Another great resource that we will share as a visual to help you better understand, it's called the cycle of abuse. Now, if you were to go online, you would see multiple versions of it. Some are more detailed and have more steps, but for the most part, it's anywhere between three and six steps overall if you look globally. But basically, it describes the three main components are included in all of them. And the three components are the tension building stage, the violent episode stage, and the honeymoon stages. And just for an example, in the honeymoon stage, it's apologies and promises and blaming and guilt. In the tension building stage comes the criticism, yelling, swearing, anger. And then you have the explosion stage where it's attacks and threats, whether they're physical, emotional, or sexual. So that is the simplest version, and we will add that to our website as well. However, there's multiple versions, and it's just another way for you to see the cycle of abuse or how the abuse happens so you can better understand the victim's experience. Our goal is really to educate the masses on the victim's experience so you can understand, which helps drive empathy and compassion, which I hope compels us to action. Now, I did share that we're going to do a complete episode around uh, stalking, harassment, um, and social media and social tech harassment. But I do want to talk about stalking. 
primarily because it is a crime. Stalking, let's define it. Stalking is a course of conduct, including intimidation, surveillance, or harassment that places a person in reasonable fear of material harm to their health or safety or the health or safety of an immediate family member, household member, a spouse, or an intimate partner or pet. Stalking is a serious crime. Former and current intimate partners often use stalking to terrorize their victims. And to go with that, I just want to share some facts around stalking, just so I can really emphasize how important it is that we are aware about stalking and its impacts on people in general. 66% of female stalking victims were stalked by a current or former intimate partner. People aged 18 to 24 have the highest rate of stalking victimization. In one year, stalkers threatened 242,420 victims with weapons. Almost 10% of stalking victims fear they will be killed by the stalker. And 20% of stalking victims are physically attacked by their stalker. I have nothing else to add, but this is a serious concern that needs to be learned about, understood, and where action can be taken, we take action. So this concludes this episode of Live Fearless, Inc. I thank you guys for hanging out with me. I hope it was informative and sparked a little fire in you and brought some new awareness about domestic violence of things you might have not known before. I want to acknowledge some of the um, resources that I used to obtain the source data that I shared today, which is the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, thehotline.org, Psychology Today, mayoclinic.org, as well as the cdc.gov. Again, our mission is to bring awareness with this platform and education around domestic violence, what it is, and what it looks like from a victim's experience. I hope you were able to take some of that away today, and we will be back soon. We appreciate you. We appreciate all the love. Remember to love it, but also share it with others so we can educate the masses about domestic violence. Thanks again. We'll be back with you in a few weeks. Take care. Be safe. Social distance, but stay virtually connected. It's Yolanda. Have a great day.